welcome to Urban Church. Excited for what God's going to do today. Uh, we're going to talk about homosexuality today. And we've uh, covered a lot of different subjects. We've covered five of them so far. far we're going to end today talking about homosexuality. Uh, and so I want to jump right into it this morning. And I want to begin to talk to you about this subject here. One thing I've realized is uh, when it comes to subject within church, uh, there are kind of different stances. Some churches, they just avoid it altogether and don't talk about it, don't bring to light what the Bible says about it, and they figure out of sight, out of mind, and uh, we'll just let the Holy Spirit do the work. Now, I believe the Holy Spirit is the one doing the work on all of our lives. No matter what's going on inside our heart, no matter what's happening in our spirit, the Holy Spirit is the one doing the work. But how many know it's when we get the Word of God as our platform that gives the Holy Spirit, come on, more to work with? Are you with me? Okay? And so we need to look at scriptures. And so there's some churches that just ignore it. Uh, there's some churches that uh, will say, well, uh, are you an open and affirming church? Okay? And I've gotten that phone call a lot. And uh, I just let Caleb come on the Buzz Lightyear and the, and the Jesse person. Okay? I let him take care of it. You answer that question. All right? And I just want you to know something. We are an open and affirming church. We openly affirm that the Word of God is true on every subject of which it speaks on. All right? And uh, so we are open to that fact that the Bible is true, it's inerrant, and it gives us everything we need for life and godliness. And then there's other churches that would say they are open and affirming. And uh, once you begin to look at what that means, and I'll let you explore that on your own, what do they mean by that? But today we're going to talk about homosexuality. I want to I try to answer maybe these three things uh, through today. And the first one is this, is homosexuality a sin? Okay? I want to I answer that question. Is homosexuality a sin? Okay? Uh, the second one I want to answer is this, is uh, were people born homosexual? Were they born gay? Okay. And the last one I want to answer is this, is are homosexuals welcome at Urban Church? Let me give you the definition of homosexuality. It is this, and I believe it's on your screens as well. And it's this, sexual desire and or behavior directed toward a person or persons of one's own sex. Okay? Uh, the song you heard on there today, I Kissed the Girl and I Like It. Sadly enough, that was in the top six for, uh, for gosh, a long, long time, okay? And what is it talking about? Well, uh, it's talking really about homosexuality, sexual desire and or behavior directed toward a person or persons of one's own sex. There are 12 different passages in the Bible um, that talk about homosexuality, either directly or indirectly. And I'm not going to go through them all, but they will come up on the screens. And so if you want to look at those and, and uh, just write them, I just gave you the reference. I didn't give you what it said. Okay, there's 12 of them that talk about homosexuality. A lot of times the question is asked is, does Jesus ever talk about homosexuality? And I haven't found a scripture where Jesus specifically addresses homosexuality, although the Bible does, in 12 different passages. Now, uh, I want to challenge you, uh, maybe get some of these if you can't write that fast. Uh, then we'll, we can go post them online. But I challenge you to go and look at some, what some of these scriptures say about homosexuality and read through the scriptures and read through uh, those verses. Um, Twelve of them uh, that talk about it, and we're not going to look at any of them today. I want you to turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. We're not going to look at any of them today because I've realized this, um, that a lot of times what we will try to do is we will take the scriptures and we will, we will begin to lay them out and say, see how bad this is or see how bad that is, whether it's adultery, whether it's fornication. We've been talking over the last several weeks. Um, but sometimes what we need to do is we just need to go back to what God originally intended for our lives, what God wanted for humanity, what God's intention, what God's purpose is. And so I want to do that today. And I want to walk through you, uh, uh, with you through Genesis chapter 2 and uh, what it is talking about 
in this passage. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Uh, Lord, I pray that in the next few moments that you would just absolutely anoint these words that would come out of my mouth, uh, that Jesus would be glorified, uh, that Holy Spirit, you would do your work this morning to glorify Jesus in every context of what is said, that we would not walk out of here wrestling with what's right and what's wrong, but we would walk out of here knowing that Jesus is the hope of the world. Hallelujah. We ask this in your heavenly name. Amen. Amen. Genesis chapter 2. We're going to go straight to it here, to verse, chapter, uh, verse 4 of chapter 2, and we're going to read all the way to verse 24, and uh, we'll probably take some pit stops along the way and just talk about the, the scriptures that we read, okay? Talking about homosexuality. Today. What is homosexuality? Sexual desire and or behavior directed toward a person or persons of one's own sex. We want to answer the questions, is homosexuality a sin? Was someone born that way? And are they welcome here at Urban? Genesis 2, starting in verse 4. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created. In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Verse 5. When no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground and a mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground then the lord god formed i love that that word formed it comes from the word yasar and it means an artist beginning to create something an artist beginning to to fashion something formed the man of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living creature. Wow. Those first verses that we read right there are so amazing to me. They're so powerful to me as I begin to read them. Here's something we got to understand, okay? Uh, How many of you guys have ever set out at the beginning of the year to say, I'm going to read the Bible through in one year this year, okay? Okay, so a lot of you have. Now, the reality is that most of us have at least made it to Genesis chapter 6. Are you with me, okay? You know, when it talks about, you know, Noah, you know, and, and all this stuff, what was happening, Nephilim, and what is that, and where those angels, you know, all this stuff. We make it that far, but all of a sudden our good intentions begin to die off. And so we start out the year, I'm going to read through the Bible, and if you're like me, you always want to start at the beginning, okay? And so probably for the last 10 years that you've tried this, you've got to Genesis chapter 6, okay? So you got these first six chapters down pat, man, you know. And so when we read through Genesis chapter 2, we could just kind of breeze through it, and these are the generations, yada, 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 okay? Come on, let's be honest today, okay? How many of you guys have ever read a chapter that you've read several times and you just kind of cruise through it, right, Okay? So here's something we have to do when we read Genesis chapter 2. We have to look at the framework. We have to look at the backdrop. We have to look at what's taking place. Because up until this point, at least as we know it, the knowledge we have, God has not created any humans yet. Are you with me? Okay? Now, I know there's different theologies out there and maybe different thoughts on, uh, on some stuff. But up until this time as we know it, okay, God has not created humanity yet. He has not created man. This is a very exciting moment. Okay? Now listen, this is not just an exciting moment in our lives as we read that. Woo, thank you for creating me. Have you guys glad that God created you? All right, okay. This is not just a very exciting moment in your life. This is an exciting moment in God, okay? This is like God created humanity, okay? He created man. Look at the words that are used 
in their context, this word formed, and I, I told you it comes from the word yasar, which is descriptive of an artist creating a masterpiece. Okay? How many of you guys have ever done art before? Okay? Now, everybody here, so if you've been to kindergarten or preschool, come on, you've done art before. Now, you might not call it art anymore, but back then, come on, somebody, it was art. Okay? I have a six-year-old and a nine-year-old, and when they sit down and they begin to color something or they begin to draw something and they do it for the very first time, it is like this aha moment. Okay? And they make it and they're like, Dad, look! Mom, look! And I'm like, and I've learned this, you never ask what it is. <laughs> right? You always say, hey, can you tell me about your picture? Okay? Hey, tell me about your picture. And hopefully they describe to you what it is, you know? One of these days, my daughter's going to catch on that I'm asking that question, and they're going to say it's something completely different. And I'm like, oh, I see it now. And they're like, Dad, that's not what it is. You know? Okay? This is the moment in which God is creating humanity. This is it in its origin. It's, 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 it's so awesome when you read through this, because the, the word describes God as an artist. Okay? It describes God, and the Bible says he took the dust. And, and I, I like to picture things when I, when I read the Bible, because if I don't, it gets dull, okay? And so I like to actually picture what was taking place, and I like to think about it and the words that were used. And, and hear this word, it's an artist, and God took dust. Now, I don't know about you, but I have to try to begin to imagine that. That God just, I mean, did he just take dust and just, you know? Has anybody ever thought about that before? I might have thought about a couple things. One, I thought, why did he use dirt to create us? Okay? Couldn't it be like chosen something nicer, like a palm tree, you know? Or a flowing river, you know? Or a flower or something, you know? No, he, he took dust, okay? Okay? Why did he take dust? The Bible actually tells us why he takes dust. Because it says before there were any plants growing up, before there were any trees, before there was any of that, did you read it today? Okay? Look at this. He's got a blank canvas. Nothing is there yet. It's just dust. Now, the water's starting to come up and starting to water some things, but he looks down and he, and he takes that dust. And now the Bible says that everything he created, he created from the dust, every living creature, okay? And so I don't know, but I think about it, and I think, you know, when you first start drawing those first pictures, okay? And they're, oh, that's pretty good. That's not bad, but the more you do it, the better you get, right? Now, I know that everything God did is good because the Bible says so. God created this, and it was God created that, and it was, God can't do anything bad, okay? But he created all the beasts of the field and all these other things, right? And he created those, right? And then the last one he created was humanity, humanity, from the same dust, okay? But like an amazing artist, he does something different with this one. It's like that moment where, where, where my child draws it and like, oh, it's good. Here, Dad, you want that one? Yeah, I'll take that one. Okay. Oh, dad, oh, you want that one? But there's that moment when my daughter draws something, and she looks at it, and I'm like, baby, can I have that one? She's like, no, I'm keeping that one. <laughs> right? I'm keeping that one. Dad, this one's going on the refrigerator. Come on, somebody. Okay? I finally got it. This is like, wow, this is that aha piece of artwork. And he does something that any, any good artist does. He stamps it with his signature. The Bible says that he breathed the breath of life whew, into humanity. He stamped it like any good artist would do, and he's like, wow, this one's good. It reminds me of Psalm 139. The Bible says that you were fearfully and wonderfully made. And people joke around about that, and they look at somebody like, oh, that one was more fearfully made than wonderfully made. Okay. 
But that's actually not what the Bible's saying. The Bible, when it says fearfully made, it's the same word that we use when we hold God in awe or in fear. It's we hold him in reverence. Wow, God, you're amazing. God uses that same word of us in Psalm 139 when he created us out of the dust like a master artist. And he, wow, fearfully made. Makes me think about how much we must mean to God. How awesome are we for him to stamp us with this stamp of approval by breathing the breath of life into us. All the other ones, the Bible says they were created from the dust also, but only we. Are you with me? That's pretty powerful when you think about it. That also makes me realize why God gets so angry at sin. Because someone has taken his art and is messing with it. I've seen what happens when my other daughter comes in and sees that picture and gets a crayon and goes. <laughs> Anybody ever have any siblings growing up? I had three older brothers. They're all evil. <laughs> True story. Ask my mom. She knows. A lot of families have one black sheep in the family. Now, now this family had one white sheep. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so it, it shows me how How angry God gets when someone takes his artwork, his masterpiece, his sculpture, if you will, and begins to mess with it. Shows me. But here's the cool thing. It it doesn't stop there. It it goes on. Are you with me this morning? Okay? It goes on. After he formed a masterpiece, right? Verse 8. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put a man... Whom he had, what? Formed. Yeah. And out of the ground, the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life, what is in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river flowed. Think about the imagery that's taking place here. Okay, he started with a blank canvas. There was nothing. There was no plant. There was just dust. And with that blank canvas, then he created his masterpiece. Now look what he's doing. He's beginning to add some more images to it. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Verse 10, a river flowed out of Eden to water the garden. And there it divided and became four rivers. The name of the first is Pishon, and, and the one that flowed around the whole land of Havilah. There, there were, uh, is gold. Wow, look at this. Where there is gold. Come on, somebody. And the gold of the land is good. Wow. All these other stones were there. The name of the second river was Gihon, and it is the one that flowed around the whole land of Cush. And the name of the third river is the Tigris that that flows uh, uh, east of Syria. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. Now look at this. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden. To what? To work it and to keep it. Wow. What happened here? He gave his masterpiece purpose. When it says it it set him there, it set him there, it comes from the word noah, and it it means to to be set to rest. He set his masterpiece. Now look at this. you got to check this out, okay? Blank canvas. God creates man, okay? Puts him on the blank canvas, okay? But then what does he do? He begins to put a, a really nice framework around it. Right? Look at what it says. Look at what it says. And he set man in the middle 
of the garden. Created man, and then he created a garden, a frame to frame out his masterpiece, his amazing creation. Come on, just the other day, my daughter brought out a piece of artwork she had done, and she looked at me, she goes, Dad, this one belongs in a frame. This, what's that mean? It means this one's really good. <laughs> this one. All the other ones, Dad, they went on the fridge. This one, this one goes in a frame. This, this one's amazing, right? And whether it's a really nice uh, artwork piece or, or maybe, it's, maybe it's not a picture, but maybe it's, maybe it's a clay pot or, or maybe it's a sculpture or something. What do you have? Do you just throw it in your drawer? No, when it's something that you're like, wow, that's amazing. What do you do? You put it on that shelf for everybody to see. You, you put it on that mantle so when people walk in, they're like, oh, that's a nice, that's a nice piece of work right there. That's, that's good art, okay? This is what God's doing. He's so impressed with his creation, man, that he's saying, you know what? I can't, I can't just leave this one out there. I got, I got to create something for him. And he creates this beautiful garden. He says, that's, that's where he belongs. Not only that, but then he gives, gives him purpose, right? He says, hey, here, here's your job, to rest and to keep it. Now, now that word keep it, uh, the, the, the word there is actually serve. You're there to rest and you're there to serve. Serve who? Serve God, okay? He gives man purpose now. And he says, now, man, everything you're going to do, it's going to be unto me. It's going to serve me. Are, are, you following, are you following this today? See, we have to look, we have to look at, the, at the scriptures in their context, right? I mean, think about, when I think about God and I think the word artist, I, I mean, what, what makes you passionate about something? Where did you get that passion? My oldest daughter, Cara, she's learning to surf right now. And it's pretty awesome. I borrowed somebody's board the other day that has a camera on the front. Pretty cool. So I got all these pictures of Cara surfing now. It's pretty cool. She's getting pretty good, okay? But her passion, like she will remind me, Dad, are we going surfing today? No, it's Thursday. Isn't today Thursday? No, baby, it's Monday, okay? <laughs> Next day, Dad, we going surfing today? No, baby, it's Thursday. Well, well, what's today, Dad? It's Tuesday. They both start with T. Come on, Dad, let's go, you know? She has this passion. Where did you get that passion? Could that passion come from the creator? He's passionate about, so passionate about humanity that he <laughs> sticks you in a garden. That's pretty fantastic. And, and, it, and it keeps going, okay? Now, here in the garden, man has purpose, man has his job set out for him, okay? Keep it, okay? And now here we come to this this part of the passage, okay, that lays out the very first command to Adam, okay? Are you with me? Verse 16 and 17. And the Lord God commanded, twaswava. It it means to, to give, give, some jobs to, to give some jobs to. And so he gets these jobs, right, okay? And this is what you're to do, okay? Now here's the command, though, okay? You can eat all of this stuff, okay, of the garden. Are you looking at your Bible? Are you looking on the screens? Okay, you follow along? You can eat all that, okay? But the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. Here's your command. Now listen, it doesn't stop there, listen. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely the very first command that God gives comes with a promise of life and a promise of promise of life and a promise of death. Very first one, okay? Which sets up the way that every command would be given from this moment on. Now think about it, okay? This is Moses now writing years in the future back about the past. 
Moses is writing this out. Now, now think about this. As Moses is writing about the garden and how awesome man is, and he's beginning to catch, uh, capture the picture of what was taking place and how awesome it was not just for man to be created, but how awesome it was for God to create man. As he's thinking back and he's writing all these things out, he writes this part now, and he writes the first command. Okay. Thinking now as he writes out all the other commands to humanity. Okay? Leviticus. You ever read through that book before? It's got some crazy stuff in there. Okay? And he starts writing out, in the context of our series, he starts writing out, hey, don't sleep with your, your neighbor's wife. Okay? Don't sleep with your daughter. It's all this stuff. Don't sleep with your daughter's daughter. Okay? And it's starting to write all, in the context of him writing out those commands, here he is now thinking back to the first command, which carried with it the penalty of death or the blessing of life. And every other command comes now and flows through that same exact framework. There's either death or there's life. Obey, and you get, some reason, yeah, I'm not sure, I haven't obeyed lately. (laughs) What happens with that one? You don't obey and you get death, Okay. And he's writing out the commands. And all of a sudden now, he would get to Leviticus 18.22. Now, he didn't know it was Leviticus 18.22. Okay? He was just writing. Okay? And it says this in the New Living Translation. It says, and you should not commit homosexuality, for it is an enormous sin. Now, think about it. He's writing those, knowing penalties of death, blessings of of life. Here it is, the first command. Now, we know because we made it to at least Genesis chapter 6 in our Bible reading plan. We know what happens. We know that Adam and Eve, they blow it, right? They blow it, okay? So we know that, so we can think ahead like, wow, they blew it. What happened? Man, the, that masterpiece, it kind of got, got ruined a little bit. It doesn't look the same. It doesn't look, look good at all anymore. Read on, verse 18. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. And all the guys said. The married guys are like, what should I say on that one? I think I heard more single guys say amen than I did married Then the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. (laughs) I'm just thinking about all the stupid stuff I do when I'm by myself. (laughs) Anybody else out there? Any guys out there? Yeah, it was probably pretty dumb. (laughs) Yeah. When she leaves the kids home alone with me, I know she's praying wherever she's at. Yeah, see, I got one honest mom, a wife out there. I, I mean, before she leaves, she's like, now, here's the pot. I've already measured out the six cups of water. What you're going to do is you're going to open the mac and cheese like this. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's not good that we're alone. Come on now. <laughs> I will make him a helper fit for him. Wow. Now, out of the ground, the Lord God 
had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. Whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. Think about that. Talk about the creativity of God being passed down to humanity. I mean, you've got to be pretty creative. Now, women, this wouldn't have been a problem for you. You've got lots of words, okay? And we don't understand half the things you're speaking. You would have been good at that job, okay? Okay? But no, he gave it to the man. This was a challenge, okay? Uh, frog. That's a good one. No. Nobody around to talk to. Okay. Uh. Right? I mean, I wonder if sometimes he was just coughing, right? I mean, <coughs> elephant. <coughs> elephant. That's a g- Let's keep going. The man gave names to all the livestock and the birds. Just made it more challenging. You ever wonder how some things got their name, though? I mean, why is the orange called an orange and a carrot called a carrot? how that one worked out but for adam there was not found a helper fit for him (laughs) you imagine i mean think about that verse right there there was not a helper fit for him which makes me think that adam tried to find one like he named dog and it's man's best friend he's like you want to name the next one (laughs) you know did anybody else think about that before? I'm like, no? Okay, well, you are now, right? I mean, which one did the dog name, you know? <laughs> the cat, yeah. <laughs> was no one fit for him. Wow. No one comparable. So God comes up with a solution. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, he took out one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman. Yeah. And brought her to the man. Then the man said, hello, baby. No, it's him. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. And therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked. Come on, somebody say amen. Okay. Notice it says the man and his wife, okay? Not the man and his girl, okay? They were not ashamed. And we have the first nudist colony right there. Come on, somebody. (laughs) They were not ashamed. In God's masterpiece, he noticed something that he needed to add. Okay. Now, I want want to just explain some things here real quickly. There's some some pretty cool things out of this verse, and it it should get the guys pretty excited, um, and the women as well, because that means, you know, you're not meant to be alone, the Bible says. Come on, it's not good for a guy to be alone, right? Okay. But verse 24, and we talked about this, and you'd have to go back to our very first part of the series when we talked about what it meant to leave and cleave. What did cleave mean? It actually means to be brought together, to be glued together through sexual intimacy. 
okay? This is what I mean. Here's God's answer to the problem. It's not good for man to be alone. And here is what God does. God does not create a man and a woman and say, Adam, choose. God creates a woman coming out of man. Notice when God does this. God does this after Adam did his work. Hmm. All the single guys, you want to get a girl? You got to get a job. <laughs> okay? Yeah, see? Some single ladies are like, yeah! I like this church. Okay? Notice it wasn't until after Adam had done his job. He had named all these animals and stuff and oranges and carrots and different things. And after he named them all, he's got no one to like talk to about it and how awesome it is. And God looks down and says, man, I've got the remedy for you. I know what you need. I'm going to create a woman after he's did his job. Okay. Now, this is also very cool. Okay. Because when God looked down and saw that something was missing... Who was it? It was a companion comparable for him, fit for him, okay? Listen, he didn't create a bunch of other buddies so you could go watch football together. I just just need a guy's night. I'll be completely honest with you. Now, if you're out there and you have these moments, that's fine, okay? I do have a guy's night. It's Monday night. We go out, we play basketball, and, you know, we sweat, and we rub other sweaty guys, and it's, like, weird. Okay? Okay? But I've never, I've never, and you can ask my wife this, I've never went to her and said, babe, I just really need a guy's night. Because if I try that, she'd look at me and say, yeah. Take it up with God because he created me suitable for you. He didn't create a bunch of guys that you could just be like, yeah, let's go be men and go off-roading and shoot something. Let's go shoot the animals we named. Yeah. That'll be fun. That's a, that's a manly thing right there. Let's put on some flannels, grow some beards. Come on. Right? No. He said, I, I've got the remedy for you. It's going to be suitable. It's going to be your helpmate. It's going to be your best friend. Think about it. Created a woman. Okay? Listen to me, okay? Guys, if you're married, your wife should be your best friend. Absolutely. My wife is my absolute best friend. I remember when we were dating. You know what we did for dates? We'd go, we'd go play basketball together. Yeah, that's how I knew it was going to work right there. <laughs> play basketball, we'd go. And we, we wouldn't just go, like, shoot hoops together. We would go to Bally's Pack West, and she'd be the only girl in the gym, and we would run the guys to the ground, man. It was off. We had this little pick and roll that we'd do. Remember the pick and roll? <laughs> Tell the one time this one guy kind of slid back, and she ran into the pick. She went, boom, and I got mad. I was about to deck the dude. I was like, hey, it's my wife. It's my best friend, jerk. <laughs> right? She should be your best friend. Now, here's the cool thing about that is that you really can't have a friend with benefits. (laughs) Now, now listen to me. I didn't say friends with benefits. I said a friend. Okay? And that is pretty exciting. Hmm. She's my best friend. Okay? God knew what Adam would need. And it wasn't a bunch of buddies. It wasn't another man. 
It was a woman. Woman. God created this woman for her. And in so doing said this, Adam, whatever you were lacking before, you're not going to lack any longer. She's suitable for you. you. You don't need anything else now. It's finished. It's complete. The work of art, done. I've given you a frame. I've given you a companion. I've given you everything you need for life and godliness. You don't need anything else. Now, as we read on, we understand this, though, that Adam and Eve sinned, and therefore, in a fallen state, the picture is all messed up. And rather than going back to the Creator and saying, hey, we messed up your artwork, we try to fix it ourselves. And in trying to fix it ourselves, we try to match pieces of the picture together and say, oh, how, how does that look? Does that work? No, it's not the original. Well, can we fit this? No, that, that doesn't work. That's not the way I created it to be. And the Bible says that all of our attempts to do that, all of our attempts to try to fix his artwork, his, 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 his pot that he made and he painted, all of our attempts are like filthy rags. They fall short. They don't measure up. What do we have to do? We have to take the artwork back to the one that created it. And we have to say, hey, here it is. Can you fix it? And you know what he does? He doesn't fix it. He crumples it up. He throws it away. He gets a new blank canvas, and he starts all over again in Jesus because old things are passed away, and behold, all things have become brand new. Ladies and gentlemen, God does not take his artwork and say, okay, we'll erase here, and we'll erase there, and we'll sketch this in. I know you can kind of see the blemish in the background. And, and in, no. No, he says, you know what? I've got another canvas. Throws it away. Gets out the new piece of canvas. Okay. Here's what humanity does. Humanity says, well, I know that homosexuality was not God's intention in the beginning, but since the fall... He's made exceptions. Where is that in the Bible? If he made exceptions, then why did Jesus Christ die on the cross? To make all things new. But what culture does and what society does and what humanity does is, is, is we try to say, well, it, it's okay. I mean, it's not God's best and it's not God's perfect. It's not God's design, but, but it's okay. Okay? Actually, no, it's not Okay? No matter how much culture tries to say it's okay, no matter how much people try to push an agenda, it's not okay. We've got to go back to the original. We've got to look at the original artwork, and we've got to say, okay, what's, what's going on here? What, what, what's happening here? God painted a beautiful masterpiece. Man was missing something, and it wasn't another man. It was a woman. God said, and from that moment on, we see the institution of marriage. For this reason, man will leave his mom and dad to be joined to his wife. And in that relationship, we see sexual unity. And in that relationship, we see the origin of the way God created things. What man was lacking, she supplies. The same is true, what she is lacking he supplies. It's the completion of the picture. It's the completion of the artwork. It's the completion of the masterpiece. Listen, man cannot supply for man what man is lacking. Woman cannot supply for woman what woman is lacking. God knew what he was doing when he created humanity. And he created a beautiful masterpiece. Man and woman complete each other. This is the way God created it. 
in the way he intended it to be. Is homosexuality a sin? Well, we can see in the context here that it very much is a sin. We can see in Leviticus 18.22 that the Bible outright calls it a sin. And actually calls it an enormous sin. Why does, here's the thing you got to understand when you read Leviticus 18. It names all these other things, but it never pauses one time to say that all these other things are an enormous sin, but it pauses on that one for a moment. Say, Ben, is it, is, it, is, 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 it, is it a grosser sin? Is it a different? Here's all I know, is that sins have different consequences and different outcomes. The reason, as I've been studying Scripture, why this sin is so enormous, as the Bible calls it, is because it goes completely contrary to the nature and context of which God created things. Fornication's bad. It's, getting, we, 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 it's a sin. Yeah, and if you don't repent from that, guess what? You won't go to heaven either. But it's still in the context of man-woman. Okay? So we see here that, yeah, homosexuality is a sin. How do we know that? Because it says it right here. How do we know it? Because it goes against the original design for humanity. It does not serve the purpose of what God created sex for. And it brings destruction with it. Listen. When Adam and Eve sinned in their sin, it brought destruction on the earth. As you read through Scripture and you look at Scripture, anytime Israel sinned, it brought destruction on the earth. Okay? When, when, when things are flowing into the context of which the way God created them to be, there's harmony. There's unity. When things are not going in the way in the context of which God created them, there's dysfunction. Okay? There's chaos. Let me just read you some of these statistics, and if you want to go back and look at them, the footnotes will be there as well. Let me just read you a few of them, okay? 73%, actually, I won't read that one because we've got a lot of time. 78%, this one was startling to me. I mean, it shouldn't be that startling, I guess, but when, when you realize this, it is startling that the population, even though uh, the homosexual community would say they make up about 10% of the community, they really don't. Um, all of the statistics show that they make up about 2% of our nation. So 2% of our nation, 78% of homosexuals are affected by STDs. 50% of suicides can be attributed to homosexuals. These facts speak to the, the reality that this is not God's best. Depending on the city that you live in, 39 to 59% of homosexuals are infected with intestinal parasites, like worms, etc., which is common in filthy third world countries. This one's startling. The median age and death of homosexuals is 42. Only 9% live past age of 65. This drops to 39 years of age if the cause of death is AIDS. The median age of death of a married heterosexual man is 75 years of age. This is a reduction in length of life by 44%. Median age and death of lesbians is 45. Only 24% live past the age of 65. The median age of death of a married heterosexual woman is 79. About 50% of the women on death row are currently lesbians. These are just some of the facts. There's many more I'm sure you could find on your own, but it raises this question back to God's command, his original intent. Choose to do it your way and there's death. Choose to do it my way and there's life. And there's blessing. 
and there's wholeness and there's harmony and there's unity. Is this sin? Yes, yes it is. We're homosexuals born this way. Are people born homosexual? Okay. I believe yes and no. Yes, they are born this way. Psalm 51 says this, that all of us were born into iniquity. Study out the word iniquity, and it actually means a bent towards something. So every one of us is born with a tendency towards something. Were, were homosexuals born homosexual? They were born with an unredeemed, degenerated state, just like all of us, and their bent and their tendency is to go towards homosexuality. So yes, they were born that way, but that does not make it right in God's eyes. No more than it doesn't make a person that is born with a, a bent towards alcoholism to become an alcoholic. Now, this, what I just said, if I said this to a homosexual community, oh man, it'd be outrage. But this is the Bible. We were born with certain tendencies, but we can't take those tendencies and begin to fight and make them into rights. It's a tendency. It's there. Yes, I was born. I was born with, listen to me, every single person sitting in this room was born immoral, perverse, disgusting, corrupt. Jeez. Uh, Honestly, all of us. And here's the thing we need to remember, ladies and gentlemen, is that we're not asking the homosexual community to give up something that all of us haven't given up. Which is what? Our tendency, our bent towards doing something. Come to Jesus just as you are. But then when you come, he does something in your life so you don't stay just as you are. He creates things brand new. Last day, are homosexuals welcome at Urban Church? Absolutely. Just like the fornicator who's sitting out there right now is welcome at Urban Church. Just like the adulterer who's sitting out there right now is welcome at Urban Church. Just like the person that's sitting out there that has rage issues is welcome at Urban Church. Matter of fact, we want you at Urban Church. You're in the right place because here is the coolest part about the masterpiece that God created. It's finished in Jesus Christ. It's completed in Jesus Christ. It's whole in Jesus Christ. Listen to me. And here's, here's you got to hear my heart on this issue of homosexuality. Maybe there's somebody sitting here today that you battled with that. Maybe you're still battling with it. Okay? Here's what we're asking you to do. Keep battling it. Keep fighting it. Keep resisting it. Submit to God. Resist the devil. The Bible says in Matthew, I believe it's Matthew chapter 25, he who endures till the end shall be saved. Okay? So just like the person that's sitting out there, that's single and is thinking thoughts of sex and how they want to have sex, keep battling through that. Keep battling through it. Just like the person that maybe is struggling with their marriage out, out there and maybe all of a sudden they have an adulterous thought. Don't give in to it. Keep fighting it. Bring it to Jesus. Bring it to Jesus. Bring it to Jesus. Bring it to Jesus. Jesus always has been. 
always is and always will be. The answer for every problem we face, everything we've talked about in the last six weeks, Jesus is the answer. But, but, but these struggles, no, bring it to Jesus. He can make you whole again. Bring it to Jesus. He can heal you. Bring it to Jesus. He can love you. Cool thing about Jesus is, man, Jesus is so great. Listen, he knows his work. He knows his creation. The other day I tried helping one of my daughters with their pieces of art. And I thought, you know, like, hey, you know, well, does it go right here? Car was like, no, Dad, no, Dad, just let me do it. I remember. I remember where that's supposed to go. All we got to do is bring it back to the one who created it. Just say, hey, I love you. And I remember how it's supposed to be. And I'll bring it back to its original design, its original intent, and its original purpose. And I will make it brand new. God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is living. God, your word is powerful. Close your eyes for a minute. I want you to think about where you're at. Maybe it's not homosexuality, but what what struggles are you having today? And listen to me, just because someone's married doesn't mean they're not fighting homosexuality. But what are your struggles today? Listen to me, you can't fix it on your own. God wants to take it and make it brand new. We've got to go back to the pattern. We've got to go back to the original. We've got to go back to the way it's supposed to look and the way it's supposed to be. With your eyes closed, your heads bowed, I want to ask you this question. Can you take your life, your marriage, your family, and can you put it up against the original right now? God's best. And say, does it look like that? No, it doesn't look like, okay, I'm going to try to work on this. I'm going to work a little bit harder. I'm going to work a little bit more. I'm going to, I'm going to get a bigger eraser, and I'm going, to, I'm going to erase this, and I'm going to really work on that area of my life because, you know what, I got an anger issue, or I got a sexual identity issue, or, or you know, I, and I'm going, to get, I'm going to work harder. I'll read more Scripture. I'll be better. And nowhere in Scripture... Yes, we see that you've got to exercise yourself towards godliness. Yes, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. But listen to me. What you need to do is you need to bring your life to Jesus and say, Jesus, here I am. Here's my mess. Here's my stuff. Here's my garbage. Here's my junk. I don't know what to do with it. Because when we piece things together, it always breaks again. And it breaks again. And it breaks again, 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 and it breaks again. And Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary, tired, I'll, I'll give you rest. Just call upon the name of the Lord, you, you'll be safe. Come on, put, put, it, put, it, put it in my hands. I'm watching, see what I, I can do.